everybody, and welcome to episode 67 of Therapy Thoughts with Lindsay. It is freezing cold here in St. Louis, but we are making do, and you know, maybe it's good that we're in this remote recording situation, because as always, Mr. Cash is there on the other side of this computer situation. Hey! Hey! How are I took you? your hey from you. You did, but that's okay. What's up? <laughs> freezing, but you know, it's all good. Making, I got a blanket. It's okay. It's okay. It's all cold as hell up in this place, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It really is. I saw a funny meme the other day that said, what did it say? You know, like Elsa from the movie Frozen? It was like, whoever made Elsa mad, could you please apologize? Because we're over it, which I found really funny. But yes, it is It is very cold. But in the process of being very cold, you know, I, I like this online technological world that doesn't seem to make things have to stop just because the weather is ridiculous. So it's kind of nice to have this option for all sorts of things, be it, you know, therapy, coaching, online meetings, podcasting, all of the things. Yeah. Got to make do with what we got, you know what I'm saying? And we got all this snow out on the ground now, so it's good that we have this setup going because I wasn't going to get out and drive, and I'm sure you <laughs> probably weren't going to get out and drive today. Right, right, yeah. You're being proactive. Yeah. Very proactive. And, and you know what's interesting is I feel like this is a great segue into our continuing talk on the four agreements. So tonight – today, wherever you're listening, is actually going to be all about the fourth agreement, which has to do with this concept of always doing your best. Now, when people hear this fourth agreement, I think sometimes it's sort of, uh, you know, they, they discount it or they're kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever, always do your best. It sounds just kind of almost cliche on some level. But I actually feel like there's a lot more wisdom in this fourth agreement than a lot of people realize. And so, Part of why it is so powerful is that this fourth agreement of always do your best recognizes that your level of best is going to shift and change from day to day. You are not going to always be at the same level of production. Maybe that maybe you don't feel well one day. Maybe there's snow outside. Maybe you just got really terrible news. And so your your daily best might change. Depending on how tumultuous things are, it could even be a moment to moment sort of evaluation. But if we hold ourselves to one standard level of best and we don't offer any compassion or any grace or any understanding that we're not always going to be operating with the same set of circumstances, we're doing ourselves a disservice. So this concept of always do your best is really, I feel like, trying to get you out of that perfectionistic thinking that says, unless I am perfect every day at all moments, then I'm somehow not good enough. And that's that's just simply not true. Yeah, you got to do this in every aspect of your life, I think, you know, um, it's contagious. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. if, if you try to do your best, like, OK, for example, at work, I my standards are really high. And so and if I'm always trying to do my best and I hope the people that I'm working with are trying to do their best, you know, it's kind of contagious, makes the whole situation better, I think. I love that you said that because without even realizing it, you segued into the other piece of this whole always do your best. Because if I want people to give me that benefit of the doubt that I'm showing up at my best or if maybe I don't show up with the way they want me to, they're still giving me the benefit of the doubt of like, OK, she's trying her best. We also have to give other people that same benefit of the doubt that maybe their level of best for whatever reason doesn't meet our own standards for that day. But that doesn't mean that they aren't trying. In fact, I don't think most people wake up and think to themselves, 
You know, I think I'd like to just be mediocre today. I think we all are in a constant process of striving to be the best version of ourselves. But I think when a lot of things go south and get kind of complicated is when, as individuals, we start holding other people to our own level of best. Yeah, I got to let that sink in because as you were saying that, I was remembering some instances where, like, I had expected I was just talking with my daughter about this earlier, about how when I was her age, it was really hard for me to deal with people because like my ambition level, my mm -hmm. my, my desire to get out and do things was way up here and everybody else's was way down there. Mm -hmm. and it was very frustrating. And it took me a long, long time to learn how to to navigate that and live that way, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, because it was very frustrating. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that whole expectations thing, because expectations, although I'm not suggesting we should live without them, sometimes if we get in that mindset of only being like satisfied with meeting a really high expectation, not only are we potentially missing some of the journey, but if we don't hit that expectation for some reason, we have a tendency to discount any progress that we've made at all, and we sort of have that all or nothing thinking. And so as we're talking about not just how the four agreements show up, maybe in your own personal life and even in your work life, there's also a huge overlap with how this always do your best agreement shows up in your romantic relationships. And I think a great example of that is just the little fights that couples may have, you know, oh, they, they don't take out the trash the way I want them to, or they change the laundry funny, or, you know, they use the toothpaste tube in a way that, you know, I don't appreciate or whatever it may be, rather than recognizing that these two people that are trying to join their lives together may have different versions of what best means. If you're trying to conform or get the other one to conform to your way of thinking, a lot of friction shows up. And now you've got hurt feelings and resentment and frustration, potential disagreements, arguing. A lot of things devolve really quickly when one person is trying to hold another person to their level of best rather than recognizing we may not view these situations the same way. I saw I, I reached out to a friend of mine the other day. Her significant other is like a crafter. He, he makes a lot of different like little models and dioramas and things like that. And apparently had like taken over one of the rooms of their house. And in the process of doing so was leaving like a trail of messes all behind him. Now, we don't know what his intention was, right? Like his intention could have been, I'm going to come back and I'm going to, you know, pick all of these things up and I'm going to organize everything. But it was driving her a bit bonkers because her family room had been taken over by his stuff. And my suggestion to her was to try and find a way to have one of those courageous conversations where you find some middle ground, where you let the other person know, hey, my level of best is dot, dot, dot. I recognize that yours may not be exactly where mine is, but can we find some middle ground here? Because I'm just feeling a bit scattered and it's making me feel crazy. And I just, I, I need to find that middle ground. And what's interesting is that, you know, there's other people that were given advice, you know, like, oh, just, you know, be over it. I argue, tell him to do it differently, whatever. And I'm kind of in that like, yes, you get to feel how you want to feel, but you also need to make sure that you're understanding where they're coming from also. You got to have some compromise in there. I, as human beings, we see things from our perspective first, mm -hmm. always, always, mm -hmm. always. And it's really hard to like stop and see things from the other person's point of view. 
it's mm -hmm. really hard to do. You almost have to stop yourself and say, wait a minute, stop. Let me try to look at this through their lens because mm -hmm. we always see what we want first. You know what I mean? I do. And what you're describing is this concept of relationship empathy, the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and go, OK, I may not understand exactly what you're doing or the reasons you're doing it. But if I know it's important to you and I recognize that you're showing up at your best, then it allows me to offer you some compassion. It allows me to offer you some empathy that says, OK, even if I don't get it 100 percent, I love you. I care about you. I want you to feel that you can show up, you know, as your authentic self. But there is a balance there. And I think sometimes that compromise word gets a bad rap. And I think people are like, no, 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 I, I want it my way. And, you know, I, you should just conform to what I want. But if at any point in a relationship, it's only being sort of done or negotiated by one person's point of view, we're missing a lot of the importance. And I don't think it's possible to say that every single day, all day long, both people in a relationship are always going to get every need met. I just I don't know how realistic that is. But if you're maintaining that level of communication, if you're maintaining that level of compromise and compassion and understanding, it does make it a lot easier for resentment not to take over. You got to kind of understand, I would think, like, OK, my best. You got to understand it's a little messy over here sometimes. Mm -hmm. the rest of it might be organized there's got to be a little little room for some mess here and there and you just mm -hmm. gotta i don't know like where i'm at now in life i'm trying to recognize in all my relationships that yeah somebody's got a little messy spot over there and how am i going to navigate through this little messy spot so i can you know deal with all of the uh more organized aspects does that make any sense it absolutely does. Like, you know, I'll use my relationship as an example. I, I have clinical OCD and clinical ADHD. And, and I say clinical in front of that because I think those words get tossed around a lot because people might have symptoms but don't really understand the full diagnostic criteria. So for me, one of the ways that my ADHD shows up is that if I don't see my to-do list or have my projects kind of laid out in a way where I'm going to visibly visibly see them, I may forget to do something important. So we've had to compromise in our relationship because we both have the same clinical diagnoses but they show up a little bit differently. So for for her the OCD that she struggles with is seeing clutter and that's a real big like struggle for her to see and, it, and it's, it's frustrating. For me, if I put everything in a drawer, I forget half the things I'm supposed to be doing and I feel very disorganized. So the compromise that we've come to is that on the kitchen table where I do a lot of my work, because that's kind of my desk when I'm working from home, I have one place setting that's basically all of my to-do projects that I need to do over this week. And then the other place setting right next to it is where I set up my computer and my clipboard. If my piles start to sort of merge into the other areas of the table, I have to take a day and reset and clean it a little bit because I know that that starts to really get at her. She gets really frustrated, but she's also trying to understand like, okay, I need to compromise. She's trying to clean up so that it's not all over the table and taking over our entire kitchen, but she needs to see her stuff or else she's going to struggle to get everything done. And so this balance has taken a number of years for us to really figure out, but now What's really cool is that if one of us is feeling a stressful point in this whole situation, we can look at the other one and go, 
okay, we just need to talk for a second because we're, we're starting to feel overwhelmed by something and it allows us to reset. And that's where we come back to that SFT or that same team mentality that we're in this together. We, we can find ways to meet both people's needs. This reminds me of a relationship that I had that you know a whole lot about. It's like I had this relationship and like she really got mad when I wore my shoes in the house, but I didn't take my shoes off. <laughs> As soon as I get mm-hmm. in, she had these slippers for everybody, for me. Oh, wow. Yes. And like, like multiple pairs of these that people guess would wear. Okay, great. I, I figured that and I, I went with it. No problem. All right. Mm-hmm. But my office space is messy. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I know where everything is. It looks messy to you, but I know where all these mm-hmm. cables go and all this. Right. But you knew that about me before we moved in together, that my mm-hmm. office space was messy. And I made that compromise for the uh, shoes. And I had a point and I'm forgetting it, but I'm going to remember it. The <laughs> idea though is back to that mess thing, man. Sometimes you look at this mess and you see a mess. Okay. But I mm-hmm. don't see a mess. I see everything is where I left it and where I want it to be so mm-hmm. I can access it easily. That's how I see it. Absolutely. And that that's a great example, Randy. And I know what you're talking about. It's like, okay, I might give a little bit in this way. Maybe I don't quite understand it. I'm okay if you wear your shoes in the house, but that really bothers you. So I won't do it. But at the same time, I need you to give me some space to kind of have my my maybe organized mess, we'll call it, where I know where everything is don't mess with it. You know, um, early on, it reminds me of in our relationship, I have a tendency to scribble things down on random pieces of paper and I will leave them like just on my pile or like on the kitchen table. And one day I come through and I'm like, Hey, did you see like a little piece of paper? And it had like four numbers written on it. And the look on their face was like, Oh crap. What, what did I do? Like, what did I do? You know? And so we just had to make the rule like, okay, If you don't know what it says and you think it's scrap paper, just ask me because then that way you don't inadvertently throw something away that I need. And I'm not having to learn a new process of organization because if I have a thought, I need to scribble it down real fast. So it's really all about just finding ways to build this foundation so that both people feel like their needs are being met. And if you aren't able to completely get everything on your list checked off, you're able to prioritize the ones that really matter to you. Yeah, organization's different for everybody, you know. It's, it's work and uh, you know, home and stuff. Organization for me personally is a little different. Uh, mm-hmm. Like my work tools are very meticulously organized. My work van's a mess. My driving car is immaculately clean. Mm-hmm. But- yeah, it's like everybody has their own versions of best, and and that this is just a great way to illustrate that. That if we want people to give us as individuals the you know that benefit of the doubt that we're showing up at our best, we need to be able to give that level of compassion to other people. And I realize that with these four agreements, they do sound pretty simple in theory, and and I, I would argue that they are simple concepts. But the implementation and the embodying them and the living them day in and day out, that's really where the work comes in. And so I know even in the last few weeks of going through them, we're only really able to scratch the surface. But I really would recommend go and check out the works of Don Miguel Ruiz, because that's where I get this from. It's not Lindsay theory. This is actually something I use clinically with my clients because it is so effective. 
we are going to actually spend next week digging into the fifth agreement, which is sort of a an interesting way that the four we've already talked about get squished together in this fifth idea of how we show up in life. So you'll have to come back next week and kind of catch the, the culmination of this whole topic. But in the meantime, Randy, if people want to follow along with you, how can they find you? Well, I'm a little fearful of how you might see me and how I show up in life, but you can do so at <laughs> Rcash Comedy on the Instagrams. That's where I do my stuff. That is where you do your stuff. And if you do want to follow along with what I've got going on, go to lindsaywalden.com. There you can find a link to download my free relationship communication guide. You can find past blogs and podcast episodes. Would also be great if you could hit the subscribe button there on iTunes so that you're always in the know when a new episode drops every Thursday at 2 p.m. If you do want to follow along on social media, you can find me on Facebook at Lindsay Walden Consulting. On Instagram, it's at this is Lindsay Walden. TikTok is at this is Lindsay Walden. And Pinterest, you can search Lindsay Walden or Therapy Thoughts. I do hope you keep living your best life and working to build that relationship of your dreams. And we will be back next week with more. <laughs>